Female Winemakers, The Way of Gold, California Sunshine, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Mexican Roots. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. I live in London selling cases of damn good California wine across Europe for the Tolado family. And this podcast is about California, the Golden State, my home state, and its awesome wines. This week, I'm chatting with the winemaker of Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon in Paso Robles. Every week, we're going to have some fun and ultimately improve your boozing. My guest this week is one of three female winemakers who work for the Toledo family. That's a damn high number given the fact that in the United States, only 18% of winemakers are women, and the Toledos own three wineries. At Sanford in the Santa Rita Hills, Laura Roach is the associate winemaker and has been on the road with Mr. California Wine twice. Elizabeth Viana, who was the guest on this podcast back in season one, is the head winemaker and general manager at Chimney Rock in Napa. And this week's guest is the assistant winemaker there. And my guest this week is one busy woman traveling up and down Highway 101 between her full-time job at Chimney Rock and her newest project in Paso Robles. In Paso, my guest is a winemaker of Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon, part of the Cholado wine portfolio. Paso Doro means way of gold, evoking the way the California sunshine paints the hills and valleys of Paso Robles. Paso Robles is halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco, and is home to more than 200 wineries and 41,000 acres are planted to vineyards. Cabernet Sauvignon dominates with 51% of vineyard planting. 11 AVAs make up Paso Robles, and my guest this week is selecting fruit from three of these wine-producing regions for Paso Doro Cab, including the Estrella, San Juan Creek, and the Highlands Districts. The vineyards are impressive, with rolling hills and high altitudes sitting between 1,000 and 1,800 feet. Not only beautiful, these vineyards produce amazing fruit for my guests to work with. Hey, it's time for this dude to get back on the road. I've got a winemaker waiting for me in my Zoom green room. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. So buckle up. Here we go on the road. A quick word from the buyer. Thebuyer.net is your connection to the premium on-trade. Thebuyer.net is your on-trade platform, linking key industry leaders, influencers, producers, and suppliers in order to improve reach and awareness in the UK hospitality sector. My guest this week is originally from Michoacan, Mexico, and moved to Napa at the age of 10 with her family. She was the first in her family to graduate from college, earning a degree in molecular biology from UC Santa Cruz. She had plans to go to medical school. However, after spending a harvest as a lab assistant at the Franciscan Winery in Napa, she was captivated by the complexity of winemaking. After six years at the Franciscan Winery, my guest moved to the Vista Satui Winery, where she became their oenologist and eventually the full-time winemaker. In 2015, she landed her dream job as assistant winemaker at Chimney Rock Winery in the Stags Leap District in Napa, where she continues in that role today. The Tolado family, who owns Chimney Rock, recently decided that it was time to give my guest an additional project creating a Cabernet Sauvignon in the heart of Paso Robles. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. And my guest this week is Laura Orozco, assistant winemaker at Chimney Rock and winemaker 
for Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon in Paso Robles. Laura, nice seeing you again. And thanks for coming on the road with me this week. Thank you. Nice to meet you again. <laughs> again. Yeah. Well, you know, we've met before at uh, Chimney Rock where you're assistant winemaker. You work with Elizabeth there, right? Making Chimney Rock wines, Cabernet Sauvignons mostly. Uh, but they got you working on a new project here, right? Paso Doro and, and Paso Robles. How did that, how did this project come about? Well, you know, the the Terlato family, they, their history had, you know, they want to build the best luxury portfolio and find any gaps that they can. And so the questions they pose is the place. Can we make exceptional wines there? The category, is it on strategy? Is there an opportunity for entry? And is it growing? Uh, the competitive landscape, can we do something better than the competition? And then the production, are we able to control the vineyards? And do they offer something unique and points of distinction? And then the winemaking, can we can the wines produced be true to the place that they're grown and the varietal from which they're made? And so um they looked into Paso and then um they they thought of of me after this creation. How long have you been at Chimney Rock? So I've been here for eight years. It seems like just yesterday. Yeah, no, I know we met several times with Elizabeth at, at the winery, so that would make sense. I mean, you guys are making exceptional or outstanding Cabernet Sauvignon and Napa at, at Chimney Rock. So I guess to take you and put you in Paso Robles to make Paso Doro. And I got to tell you, the feedback's been great. I've I've had the wine, layers of complexity, great fruit. The wine's super, super good. So what's the big difference making Cabernet Sauvignon in Paso Robles versus making Cab in Napa? Is there a difference? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the terroir. I'm getting grapes from the four different AVAs. Uh, each one, you know, from goes from 780 feet all the way up to 1,600 feet. Ro- They're rolling hills, plateaus, um, the different soil types. And although we are on the eastern side, we still get that marine layer and that temperature fluctuation from day to night, which, you know, keeps the acidity and allows it to ripen properly. You're sourcing a grapes from four different AVAs in Paso. There's 11 in total. How do you go about, how did you go about identifying these vineyards? Well, we walked, we talked to people, we tasted, and based on what the vineyard looked like, then we said, okay, we want this and we want that. And uh, that's where that's how um, Paso Doro came to be. Tell me about the name Paso Doro. I mean, what does it mean to you? What's it supposed to mean to the uh, consumer? So Paso Doro means the way of gold. Um, it evokes the California sunshine and the rolling hills of the Golden State, and you can see that on the label. It's if you look closely, it's a topo- topographical map, and the gold. Uh, is the golden state, the golden bath. And I keep saying, you know, this brand was created for me before it was created for me because I can relate to the story of 
the golden hills, the golden path. Um, originally, I am from Mexico. I came here when I was 10. My father had been working in the vineyard since 1975. He came here, he worked, he broke his back. And then um, my mom and my brother and I moved to the valley because he couldn't travel. And so I, I really didn't want anything to do with agriculture um, because of that. So this, like the golden hills, the golden path, you know, the, the hills and valleys, you know, it's the ups and downs that we all have in life, but we create something beautiful from it. So um, after I graduated, so I went to school to be pre-med. I moved back home, studied, was studying for the MCATs. I, I got a lab job. And back then, you still were looking for jobs in the newspaper, and it was it was a lab. So I'm like, okay, I'm biology, I can do lab. It turned out to be a um, a wine lab, and and I stayed. I, I I mean, my family has been in grape growing and you know for a long time, but every time I walked into a winery, um, I just saw everything was clean. And I just didn't get it, you know. I I didn't get it until I worked for that harvest and really learned how much it takes to make wine. And I just kind of fell in love, and I and I stayed. You and Elizabeth are really like tied to the hip because did um, Elizabeth start out pre med as well? Yeah, she was pre med. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you guys, you guys have a lot in common. What was your first? Where was that first job? Which which lab? What which winery? It was uh, Franciscan Winery, which is now the Prisoner. Sure, sure. I remember Franciscan Winery. Okay. Yeah, so I started as a harvest lab tech, and then um, they kept me on as a full time lab tech, and then I I became the lab manager. So I was there for six years. And, okay. Um, you know, I'd always expressed that I wanted to move up into winemaking. And, and when I couldn't there, I applied for a job uh, as an enologist. And it turned out to be Visa Tui Winery. And I, I submitted my resume. And within like 10 minutes, I got a call back. And that call back was Brooks Painter, who um, was also. So I, I went to UC Santa Cruz. Okay. And coming, coming into the wine industry, I felt a little out or awkward because I didn't go to Davis or Fresno or any of the, you know, winemaking schools. Um, so I think he saw my name and he saw that I had gone to UC Santa Cruz and him being a, a fellow uh, UC Santa Cruz alumni, he called me in for an interview and he gave me a chance. I, I was an ologist for in 2006. And then in 2007, I got promoted to assistant winemaker. And then a couple of years later, I was um, promoted to uh, winemaker. And, you know, Visa is all direct to consumer. So okay. there we made every varietal possible. Um, and, you know, Brooks really was, gave, let me take the rein you know, as much as I wanted to. So I learned a little bit of everything there. Very cool. So you're there. Um, what year was that when you became winemaker at Vista Tui? Uh, I think it was probably 2008. And then before Chimney Rock, where did you go from there? I, I was there at, um, before Chimney Rock. I was at Vista Tui. Yeah, you're so at Vista Tui. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
And let's take a step back. So you're 10 years old. Where in Mexico are you and your family from originally? Michoacan. Michoacan. Okay, fantastic. So then all of a sudden, you, your, your dad's working in vineyards. He has it. He suffers an injury. You don't want to get in agriculture, yet you get in agriculture. So what What was the flip of the switch? What changed your mind? What inspired you? Was it this Was it this lab at, at the Franciscan winery or... When did you decide this is what I want to do? Just seeing um, what, how much it takes to make wine. You know, there's so much that goes into it um, that I just, wow, it, it was a new world, you know, a new world to me. And so, yeah, that's, that's what flipped the switch on, that there was a possibility. Uh, and, and it wasn't just like in the vineyard, you know. Okay, so you have this moment of inspiration. You want to become a uh, a winemaker. I mean, over the years, I mean, who's been your biggest mentor? Or there are several of them. Who's helped you become the winemaker you are today? Uh, like I said, I think, you know, Brooks Painter uh, gave me a chance. He really took me under his wing. And okay. like I said, let me, I was very hands-on there, very hands-on. And because it was a family-owned small everything direct to consumer, we did a little bit of everything. So I was, I could say my title was uh, seller master, um, production manager, winemaker, uh, seller worker, you know, a, a little bit of everything. You did it, it all. Was, yeah, it was very a very dynamic, uh, very dynamic role, getting on the forklift, you know, like being out in the crush pad, filtering, racking, you name it. You've been you've been making wine with Elizabeth at Chimney Rock for the past eight years. You've taken on this new project with the Chilado family, Paso Doro. You got this beautiful Cabernet Sauvignon, 2021 vintage from Paso Robles. How do you split time between the two roles? I mean, how does that how does how do you manage your time doing that? We work very well together. <laughs> <laughs> we just plan you know, we just plan and make a calendar. Yeah, that's that's how we work. So a lot of travel between Paso and Napa on that. A lot of you spend a lot of time on the 101 then. As, yeah, especially during harvest. That's the time when I make mo my most trips down there. You know, you mentioned the difference between so Chimney Rock. You have a lot of like, say, you know, the soils like volcanic. Uh, soils, maybe some granite. I want to like dig it a little deeper. What about Paso Robles? You're talking about these four sub AVAs. Can you tell me which AVAs they are? What makes this Paso Doro Cap so unique, so special? So we have uh, Estrella District, which okay. the, it, the, it ranges from 700 to 1800 feet of elevation. Okay. Um, those are uh, mostly alluvial and clay loam soil okay and then you get that breeze that's the closest to the ocean so you get that marine sea breeze uh through the templeton gap and then um we i have some from san juan creek which is alluvial loamy sand gravelly to sandy clone these are well-drained soils from here uh san juan i get uh river grove river grove sits on a plateau like the wine that comes from there for me, it's like lush, dense, and mouth filling. The Highlands District, I get 
one, they sit on a plateau about 1600 feet. That block for me, is like one of my favorite ones. It's got this like juice, juicy raspberry, like a white crushed pepper. It's a little bit on the lighter color style, but just the the beauty, the prettiness of that block, I really enjoy. And that one ha- gets the the biggest shifts in temperature because it sits higher. Up okay, in you know, all of a sudden, Chilato said, "Okay, we want to make this uh, this Cabernet Sauvignon and Paso Robles." How much time did you spend there to get to know the area? Were, are you, were you already familiar with Paso Robles? I was not familiar. So just visiting and talking to the uh, the vineyard managers, um, everybody's really helpful down there. Um, so any questions I have, you know, getting samples and, and tasting them, what other people are buying grapes from around this area and it's not 100% cab. You, it's uh, there's a, there's a what what other grape variety in there? There's a small percentage of something else, right? Yeah, there's a little bit of Petite Syrah in there. Okay. So, you know, Petite Syrah is just really dark and inky, and uh, I just feel like it fills in the holes of the blend and makes gives it that suppleness and polish it. You know, gives it a nice little polish. Adds a little color to it. Yeah, like I said, it's a beautiful wine. We've got a little shipping out to Denmark. Nor- uh, we got our distributor partner in Norway looking at it and, and a couple other countries as well. You've done a really good job with this wine. Over the year, starting out Franciscan, you know, re- you really start making wine at Vistatui. You're now making wine at Chimney Rock. Now pa- now this Paso Doro Cab and Paso Robles. How has your approach to making wine evolved over the years? Do you consider yourself a better winemaker? Than you than you were when you started out. How has that changed? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you know, um, you asked me about mentor, and I think Elizabeth has. I think at Visa Two, it was very broad, and it was so fast paced that you know I didn't really have time to process everything and analyze and and um, a little a little short history going back is. My husband worked here uh, in 2000, like for three years, 2002 to 2005. So that's how I became, how I became to know of Elizabeth and of Chimney Rock. And even since that time, I would always ask him, how do you guys do this? And what do you guys do this? And so I always wanted to work here. And Elizabeth, on a trip that we took, um, she mentioned that when her uh, one of her assistants had left, she had thought of me, but I had already made a move, so she didn't call me. And so that meant a lot to me because I always wanted to come and, and work here. And, you know, over the years that I've known her, she said, you know, I will always want to hire people that want to be here. And so it just kind of worked out. And, you know, she has taught me a lot, a lot. And just being here um, having these acres here at Chimney Rock and being very um, personal with every single block that we walk and we taste and the attention to detail. Um, I think that's really what has made me a, a better winemaker and has helped me take on this new role Um because I've learned all these things from her, the meticulous tasting, researching, 
blending um, everything that she thinks about. And so um, it's really allowed me to take on this with confidence. Well, that's cool. I didn't realize your husband worked at Chimney Rock as well. I mean, no, it's it's a it's a it's a beautiful uh, place. I'm going to be there very soon. I'm actually I'm going to be I'm going to be there on the 11th. So if you're around, we'll say uh, we'll say hello. I'm bringing a group from uh, Denmark out. I think the 11th in the uh, the afternoon. We'll be out there with uh, with Amy. But I know you guys. Harvest has started, right? Uh, for you guys, or not, not yet. quite yet. By that time, we'll probably have the Sauvignon Blanc and Sauvignon Gris for our Elevage Blanc, and most likely. What about for Paso Doro? This 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 cab. When do you estimate you'll start? Uh, you'll start picking from these four subregions in in Paso Robles. Um, so we just finished Verasion down there last week. It's been delayed. That delayed because of the rains yeah. and the coolness, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, setting it just um it took a long time for set to happen. The weather wasn't the most perfect um and so they just finished. Yeah, it was a cool cool period and it's been cool, but it it's been warmer down in Paso than it's been here, so it is a little bit ahead than Napa. So I'm I'm expecting maybe like at the beginning end of September, beginning of October that we'll start um, bringing some fruit in for Paso you'll, Dono. You'll start picking. So cool year. I mean, and you roll out with this first uh, first uh, vintage 2021. Take me through 2021. I mean, obviously 2020, dangerous bad year for Napa Sonoma because of the fires. 2021, how would you characterize uh, the harvest for this vintage? Uh, that one was probably between um, it wasn't as late, but it wasn't as early as as last year. We we had to pick some stuff a little bit earlier last year because of that heat wave we had. Um, so it it'll be somewhere in between twenty two and twenty three. Okay, okay. And then you know, going back, you know, what was your when you when you when the Chilado family said, okay, we want you to make this cab in Paso Robles. Uh, what was the biggest challenge for you starting out? Just, I mean, I think getting to know the area, uh, getting to know the grapes, because I'm not, I'm used to being here at Chimney Rocks that we, I can just walk out, you know, every day and walk the vineyard. So that's the biggest part, like not being there on a daily, on a daily basis. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so I, I have to rely on, my vineyard manager down there, which they are, they're amazing. Like the communication that I have with them, they're just really good people. And going back, I mean, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself? Cause obviously Chimney Rock, this Paso Doro cab, what's it retailing for in the United States more or less? Cause we haven't launched it here yet. 26 to 29. 26 to $29. Okay. So you're making an exceptional cab in Paso for this price point, and all the, you know, and then you're up in say Chimney Rock with Elizabeth, and you're making you know Chimney Rock cab that say retails for a hundred dollars, a lot more. You know the Tomahawk retails for a lot more money. Do you put high expectations on yourself making that making a cab that's going to retail for thirty dollars? How do you how does that play out in your mind when you're making these wines? Yeah, I you know I I do feel like I have 
a lot of pressure on my shoulders because, you know, they see me and they see like chimney rock and I just have to tell them, okay, we've got to transport ourselves to a different region and, you know, think a little bit differently as, you know, we can't have the big caps that we have here at Chimney Rock. So I just immediately am like, all right, we just got to like, you know, transport ourselves like four hours south and we're in a different area, a little bit different graves. But yes, I, I want to make the best, the best wine that I can make. Um, you know, I, I want to make Elizabeth proud because she's, she's believed in me. I, I want the brand to be successful. Um, I'm taking it as it's my personal uh, brand. You know, it's the first, it's the, what's exciting to me is the, it's the first wine that I get to be the face of, you know, um, I, I am the face of, of the wine and I, it's, it's the baby, you know, from start to finish. And so I, I do, I want it to be successful. That's huge. I mean, but you know, what a great opportunity for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a great, great opportunity. Uh, what do you like about Paso Robles? Um, you know, the people, everybody's been really nice. Seems a little bit just low key. Yeah, I tell you, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I like I like the square there downtown. For audience, if you're opening up a bottle of your Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon 2021 right now, how would you describe that? To somebody who's going to taste it for the first time, been tasting it, you know, since we bottled it, and it's really come to fruition. It's really come together. Um, it's I get um, flavors of cherry, uh, strawberry. It's got some nice tobacco, cinnamon, spice. It's soft on the palate. It's really enjoyable. What food would you serve? with this wine what would you have what would you have with this cow you know you can really have anything with this wine i mean pasta pizza it's an everyday good value wine you can have it with a steak as well is this a wine that you know as soon as it it's it's released into the market is this a wine that you want to just pick up and enjoy now or does it have some legs can you lay it down for a bit or is this more for immediate consumption it's more for immediate consumption. Yeah, okay. you, can, you can enjoy it the day of. Fair enough. Well, we talked about this year, 2023. You're expecting to pick uh, towards the end of September, maybe early October. So you bottled, released 2021. When's it 2022? When do you bottle and when, when will that be released? Uh, it's actually being bottled as we speak. And okay. Uh, we will release it, I believe, at the end of December, early January, because the first vintage, it was mostly um, here in California. A little bit went to Illinois, Florida, um, but uh, the 22 will be released for, to the rest of the country. A broader distribution. And this gets then, what, about six months in barrel or a little longer? A little bit longer, yeah. Okay, French and American oak. What are you? Uh, what what uh, type of barrels are you using? American oak, new American oak. It's about twenty five percent new American oak. Um, new, okay, and why 
why American oak? Um, what what is that adding to the wine? What are the benefits of using American oak uh, for this cab versus, say, French oak? You know, American oak has improved over the years. They used to not have a, a good people didn't think highly of American oak, and I've personally, you know, tasted and selected the coopers that I want to use that go well with the the fruit that I'm uh, receiving and, and making. And so I like that, you know, just being able to select what I want and what I think goes well with the fruit that I'm getting from Paso. Well, that's cool. I mean, I love the use of American oak, especially like I think with Paso Robles. I mean, you know, obviously, I think we're in a place that you have this association of like the Wild West wet. Right, which is very, very uniquely American. So, so that's cool. American oak, Laura. What's your favorite part of your job? I like being in the vineyards. I like blend, blending and tasting. That's the fun part. Like, you know, blending and tasting and doing the different, you know, experiments with yeast or seeing what different barrels bring to the wine to eat, you know. Okay. And what's your least favorite part of the job? Paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Paperwork. Okay. Inventory. Inventory. All right. That's, that's funny. That's funny. Have you spent much time in the town square or any favorite spots, you know, to hang out, to eat, anything to come to mind? You know, I, I haven't uh, spent a lot of time, but I've been to the fish gaucho and okay. The last time I went, we went to Finca Paso de Finca Paso Robles, and that food was amazing. It was it's like Baja style. Um, they had like a really good ceviche tostadas, really really good. Yeah, I like I love that town square. I like you know every time I'm passing through on the way from say Sanford up to Chimney Rock, I'll spend a night or two in Paso Robles. Next time, next time you're in, in Paso, have dinner at the Hatch. Okay. Laura, I've really enjoyed our uh, chat. I'm excited about these wines, Pasador Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm not going to let you go just yet. I've got four questions for you. I call this the bin in Q&A. Just give me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready to go? Okay. <laughs> okay, not so sure. Okay, here we go. What's your go-to quaffing wine this week? What are you enjoying at home? What are you drinking? Okay, I, I don't drink as much as I should because I'm always in some sort of training um, for a, a marathon or something. Okay, you know, I I try to just drink on the weekends, and if I do on the weekends, it's with friends. Sure. Uh, you know, most of the time it's something chimney rock related. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Nice weekend um, or, drink or a beer. Or a beer. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'd love to join you for a beer and a glass of uh, Chimney Rock or Paso Doro. So um, before we get to the next question, so you run marathons. Is that what you do to chill out when you're not making wine? You run? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's it's my it's my me time. So I'm always training for something. It's, it's like my golden carrot. You know, I, I always have to have some sort of goal. Okay, what was the last marathon you ran? Uh, New York last year. Oh, what was your time? It was 
7.38, but okay. that's because I was hurt. So I, I tore my meniscus uh, last year, and um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to run it or not. And I just, I just took it one step at a time. And, you know, I, I, I said, okay, well, I'll just take the bus over to Staten Island and then just run over the bridge. And then I got over the bridge and I saw a man walk running with a cane. And I was like, wait, if he's going to cover the distance, I can cover the distance. So I continued. And then I further down, I saw a woman with prosthetic legs and she had a team with her. I was like, she's going to run the distance or walk, whatever. I can do it. And I just kept seeing more and more people like this. And and then like eventually I made it to the finish line. And so I'm I'm proud of that time because of the challenge going up to that and not knowing whether I'd be able to finish or do it. Well, that's amazing though, because you you finished that on a bum on a bum knee, and you're pushed and motivated by others. What's in? Have you signed up for another one coming up? I think I signed up for a Las Vegas run next uh, February. Okay, it's, it's it's in Las Vegas, and it's like you do it on the strip, and it's at night. So, yeah. so I'm trying to work right now. Uh, you know, get back. I had surgery in December and I'm just working really hard to uh, come back. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to say Vegas in February at night. That's good. Better than I was just in Vegas for a couple of nights two weeks ago. You don't want to you don't want to do a marathon uh, in August in Las Vegas. Yeah, no. I know. I put in my I put in my name also for uh, Tokyo in uh, March of 2024. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I can get into that Tokyo marathon. Oh, very cool. Well, good luck with that. Second question here, if you can make wine anywhere else in the world, where and which grape variety? I would love to go to Italy. I just love Italy. And, uh, you know, maybe working in the Tuscany region. Yeah, beautiful part of Italy. Sangiovese, living or dead, if you can invite any celebrity to share a bottle of your 2021 Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon with, who would it be? So my daughter right now is big into Taylor Swift. And okay. I think I would invite Taylor Swift and gift it to my daughter. Um, she's been, she just went to her concert and she's just crazy you know, about her and constantly is like, I want you to let's go to this concert. And so I would want to do that for her. <laughs> that's very, that's very sweet. Yeah. My youngest daughter, Amelia, she's a huge Taylor Swift fan. Very good answer. First time I've had Taylor Swift, amazing uh, artist and musician. Last one, money, no object. Which bottle of California wine would you open with dinner tonight? Cannot be yours, Pasadoro, and cannot be Chimney Rock. You know, I I've never tried Screaming Eagle. Okay. And I I want to know what the hype is about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good answer. Yeah, I had um, Heidi on uh, last year and uh, talking about Screaming Eagle, and I haven't had it either. So Heidi, if you're listening, send a bottle from your cellar to uh, Laura. Don't you? Not sure that's going to happen, but <laughs> hey, you, you never you never know. Well, listen, Laura. Great seeing you. Um, I hope to see you next week. Um, I think the the 11th on um, at Chimney Rock. 
And thanks again. Thanks for taking time out of your day for being on the road with me. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Chuck. I want to thank Laura for being on the road with me this week. Laura, by birth, may have Mexican roots, yet her feet are now firmly rooted in the Golden State's winemaking landscape. I met Laura on several occasions while visiting Chimney Rock Winery, and I know for a fact that Elizabeth Viana, Chimney Rock's general manager and head winemaker, relies heavily on Laura. They make an awesome team crafting beautiful Napa cabs, and I'm certain that this played a huge role in the Trelato family's decision to appoint Laura as winemaker for their new project, the Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon, which launched in the United States this past summer. It's a compliment to Laura's skill set and dexterity as a winemaker. And as soon as your lips taste this cab, you'll agree that it was the right call. The 2021 Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon is a winner. Now it's time for Wine of the Week. And my pick this week is Laura's 2021 Paso Doro Cabernet Sauvignon from Paso Robles. This is a cracker of a cab, and I fell in love with this wine as soon as I tasted it. I enjoyed it immensely one night with a ribeye steak, medium rare of course, that I cooked in my flat. On the nose, this Paso cab unleashes aromas of black currant, black cherry, and hibiscus with subtle notes of vanilla, cinnamon, and coffee. It's aged in American oak for about nine months, and as Laura mentioned, it's ready to be enjoyed now. The Pasador Cabernet Sauvignon is part of the Terlato family wine portfolio and is currently being distributed in California with plans to broaden distribution across the United States with the 2022 vintage. In Europe, we have our first order on the water for Pasodoro Cabernet Sauvignon, and we're launching in Denmark with Strand Garden Wines. As a regular listener of On the Road with Mr. California Wine, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of Paso Robles. Coming in October in Paso, it's Harvest Wine Month. By then, the grapes won't be hanging on the vines, yet you can have a great time hanging out in Paso Robles. Every year, following a successful harvest, the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance puts on a series of individual events with participating wineries throughout the month. Activities during the month of October include winemaker dinners, tours, grape stomps, and concerts. For more information, contact the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance at info at pasowine.com or visit their website, pasowine.com. Thank you very much for being on the road with me this week, and I hope you enjoyed our chat with Laura Roscoe. If you're keen to learn more about Paso Robles, check out my conversations with Anthony Yount, Season 4, Episode 8, and Gibbsy and Josh Beckett, Season 3, Episode 9. And I'll be back next week on the road, catching up with Christopher Streeter, CEO and founder of Senses Wines in Sonoma. On the Road with Mr. California Wine is available wherever you get your favorite podcast. If we can't hop on a flight to California, I'll bring California to you. It would be awesome if we'd share this episode with someone new this week. See you next week on the road with Mr. California Wine. Take it easy.